thank you for joining me here at the Professor Notes. Grab a drink and sit down and let's have a chat. And when we're done, feel free to join me over at theprofessornotes.com and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. This is another special one. I was asked to give a presentation on how I use technology in the classroom with my students, so podcasting and those sorts of things. The presentation was given to the advisory board for the School of Business here at Penn State Capital College, Harrisburg campus. We had an interesting exchange. I had students give their opinions of what they thought of the way we use technology in the class, and I thought I'd share all of that with you. Feel free to download the PowerPoint presentation also available for you at theprofessornotes.com. And here is the presentation. Howdy. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about some of the things we're doing in class, specifically podcasting stuff and and the video media stuff uh, that the students have been working with. It's stuff. I feel like it's a George Carlin routine or something. Uh, But... Uh, what I wanted to, to lay the groundwork for first, and, and I'll tell you, Steve, I hope to catch up on time because I'm a really fast talker. Uh, if I go too fast, just throw a flag up, or if you guys have any questions. Too much and too fast, and it all works out. Yeah. But I'm not sure how, how involved you all are with new media uh, and this social networking type stuff. Uh, if you're in Twitter or if you have blogs or if you listen to podcasts or uh, any of those sorts of things. So kind of wanted to look at, first off, what is new media? And the general consensus, and yes, I used Wikipedia. Uh, I realize in academia we're supposed to go, oh, no, I don't know about Wikipedia. But I used Wikipedia because it is collaborative, and in fact, we're going to start doing wikis here as part of my course curricula. I'm introducing wiki for research for students. Uh, it is digital. So the new media tends to be digital in the sense that we've now moved from traditional means of delivering on paper or on television to a new way of storing information, which frees us up to be interactive. (coughs) Because with this new digital media, we can now be engaging each other, whether you're commenting on a blog. Uh, Anybody do blogs here in the room? Uh, Okay, I guess not. (laughs) Any of you all text message? (laughs) Text messaging? Yeah, a couple of you. Yeah. Uh, my favorite commercial is the guy who comes in and says, what's my schedule look like? And you, know, you text message your daughter at lunch, and then at the end of the day you got a meeting. Yeah, I can push the meeting back. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do like this interaction. In fact, as I was putting this together, I was on Twitter. And if you don't know what Twitter is, it's kind of a uh, what are you doing right now in 140 characters or less engagement of people that follow you and you follow them. And you'll see a picture of my brother here in a little bit. But... I asked the question of the people that I follow and that follow me, what is new media? And so we had an ongoing discussion about what new media means to each of us and how we involve this. And so I actually played with this digital and interactive approach as we discussed new media itself. It tends to be web-based. And when I say web-based, I really mean Internet-based, not just HTML, but all those other things that have piled on top of it. Uh, And more importantly, it tends to be driven by communities. And we start finding ourselves doing communities of practice. We're all familiar with you know, those COPs or COPs. But we find ourselves joining communities where we have relationships. And so I'm very engaged in, well, I'm engaged in obviously social networking and new media communities. I'm engaged in supply chain communities. Uh, I have a camera there because you know, I asked Mary to take some pictures. I'll take pictures of them because I'm very engaged in the photography community. You know, so all our special interests, then we make, I wasn't hinting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
you know, but we're engaged in these different types of communities, and so we have media now that allow us to share with people we've never met, that people are around the country or what have you, uh, around the globe, engaged in the same sorts of things that we are. So I, when I asked on Twitter, I got this great quote uh, from G. Pittman, Greg Pittman. That's our username, right? I'm SCM professor. He's G. Pittman. New media forms a media for which the user has as much input as the publisher. In essence, we become our own publishers. We've kind of given the reins of control over to the people that want to do these things and allow us to be creative in our own ways. And so as you go through this, what my goal is with all that I'm doing is to turn these reins of control of, of creation and publishing over to the students themselves. Allow them to, well, first off, I do the publishing, because and you'll see why in a minute how, uh, but then I turn it over to the students and I say, now it's your turn. Here at Penn State, <clears throat> university-wide, we have the Digital Commons Initiative, and I stole their logo to stick on there, but Digital Commons is all this stuff. Uh, and so I decided to pull it out a little bit more readable for you. Uh, first off, university-wide, and we're encouraging them to create digital content because that's where they are anyway. And you're going to see me put up some slides with YouTube and those sorts of things. Uh, so they're already there. So we want to have them do digital creation of media in the coursework, not just, hey, look, I'm you know, battling my friends and I'm videotaping it. Ha, ha, isn't it funny? And let's put it to music that we stole. <clears throat> common set of computing tools, common set of support materials, and then a common set of opportunities. Notice the word common is common throughout. Uh, but what they're trying to do is, if you go into a digital commons lab that we have here on the third floor all the way at the end there, you're going to see Macs. Um, and so you're going to see Macintoshes. You're going to see microphones. You can see Sony HD camcorders. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have green screens uh, for producing videos. All that stuff is up in the digital commons. You go to a digital commons at University Park or any of the other campuses that currently have it, and you're going to find that they have very similar, if not identical, equipment. And we're providing them the Mac tools because they have iMovie, they have uh, iDVD, all those things that enable them to be creative as they generate media, generally content-related uh, with the course. Um, and then <clears throat> this still is, is I was going to say, is developing, educate faculty, staff, and students on the appropriate uses. The appropriate uses... The, really, the first step we're, we're hitting hard is <clears throat> copyright, intellectual property. Uh, excuse me, I don't think you asked Prince if you can use that song. <laughs> you know, so let's, let's work through that first, and then we talk to them about, okay, but it's, it's more important to talk about creating your own fresh content, your new content. And we have, if you go to the digital, if you look for digital commons on the Penn State websites, you'll find that part of this education process is free media libraries. And so we have students that are creating music that they're making available through the Creative Commons license. You'll find that they have links to all sorts of video clips that you can embed that have been provided by uh, publishing sources for free for use in educational purposes and those sorts of things. And they have amazing tutorials, online tutorials, stepping you through how to use the tools, how to develop these things uh, in terms of storyboarding and everything else that's involved, things that I didn't, we didn't have when we started doing the other projects. So I'm going to move now to a very specific thing, which is kind of where I started with this new media stuff, and that's the idea of podcasting. And what is podcasting? Well, they're audio files. Otherwise, if they're video files, it'd be screencasting or vodcasting is kind of the, if we're hip, we're going to go, it's vodcasting, cool. Um, but you know, collection of episodes, what makes a podcast a podcast and not just an audio file sitting in iTunes is that it's subscribable. 
that somebody's using an RSS feed, that they're making it available to you. So whenever a new one gets posted, if you have an RSS feed reader, it automatically downloads. iTunes is an RSS reader. It knows where the feed is. And if you open up iTunes and you subscribe to one of the podcasts that we do for classes, if there's a new one up there, it will automatically check and automatically download for you. So it's, it's broadcasting it on demand. You know, so when we start looking at it, it really started podcasting. We look at podcasting, iPod, and we go, oh, it's an Apple thing. You have to have an iPod. Actually, it's portable on demand is where pod came from and broadcasting. So portable on demand broadcasting. And like I say, it uh, updates automatically. Listener then can play it. You download it, whether you put it on your computer or an iPod or an iPhone, or uh, you can put it on any other MP3 player that you happen to have, or download it to iTunes, burn it to a CD, and stick it in your car as you're driving listening to it on CDs. The fact is it's portable audio, just like audiobooks, you know, the cassette books, and, and now you can download audiobooks. The idea is students can now take this with them everywhere they go. You know, so if you're running, if you're a very active, engaged, lifestyle type of person, <coughs> not me, then you know, you'll be able to listen to me, keep your heart rate down, I put you to sleep, and you listen to my lecture while you're running, and you balance it out. It's kind of like a cup of coffee and a shot of whiskey. <clears throat> okay, I'm kidding. That's the third reference to alcohol this morning. I'm beginning to sound like a lush. <laughs> Except I don't drink as much as I used to. Uh, but, you know, it's all techies, right? It's, it's, we're all these geeks. Well, I... I when I first put a presentation like this together, we talked about 840,000 people listen to podcasts. It was in 04. 3.7 million now are listening just to podcasts, uh, and that's the portable take-it-with-you-stuff. And if you listen to radio online you know, on the computer, you pop on. You know, I have XM radio, and I can listen to it there. Or I listen to uh, streaming radio. 14.5 million people as of last year were listening to streaming audio that way, whether it's news broadcasts or music or what have you. Uh, 56 million anticipated by the end of the decade. And I want to make sure that we are a huge contributor to listening audiences by saying, hey, let's move our students into this world as well. But what are they listening to? Well, you know, for my son, I have to put up here, we're listening to sports podcasts. We are Penn State, Big Ten champs, you know, all those good things. Uh, Grammar Girl, the short little two to five minute podcast that she does every day, or every few days, about the proper use of words. So if you just want to get your quick grammar fix for the day, boy, that's the one to go to, Grammar Girl. Uh, Classical Kids, NPR. NPR has a whole bunch of stuff you can listen to. I'm a big, I subscribe to Science Friday. So while I don't listen to Science Friday between noon and 2 every day on Fridays, when they do it, like today, I download the podcast and I listen to it when I want to listen to the show. Uh, the Naked Scientists. Uh, inside the Net. So people that are techie-oriented are talking to each other. That's Amber MacArthur. Uh, she started in, in normal media, old media, has moved almost exclusively into new media. And then WNYC does Radio Lab. It's a very creative use of podcast media and radio media to get people listening and learning about science in a very engaging way. And they're very interactive, not in the podcast, right? Those aren't that interactive piece. The interactive piece comes in with the fact that they have blogs and they have Twitter accounts and they have all these other things going on in the background. Even even uh, NPR Science Friday has a Twitter account, so if you're listening live, you can be on Twitter, that 140 characters or less, what are you doing right now? And they're interacting with the listener, and you can even hear them saying, oh, so-and-so on Twitter asked this question of the, of the, the speaker, of the guest. Podcasting is targeted. 
You know, unlike a radio show, if you guys wanted to talk about your specific business interest here in the Harrisburg area, or let's say you wanted just to talk about your business interest, not targeting your customers locally, but you wanted to talk about people that do what you do, there's not many of us in the Harrisburg area that do the specific things that we do. But nationwide, there's an audience. Now, you can't have a radio show that targets all those people, right? Because you'd have to pay for every market you're in. But you throw a podcast out there, and suddenly the 100,000 people that make a listening audience are available to you nationwide because they're not, you know, there may be 50 or 100 people in any given radio market available to you. Therefore, it's distributed. So it's targeted to your audience. It's distributed around the globe, specialized because we're going to talk about the things of interest to us. It's that community conversation piece again. Go back to communities. And what's really cool is I can do it and, you know, because it's, it's low cost. I mean, I've got a recorder I mean, in my pocket here. You wonder what's going on here. I'm recording what I'm doing right now. I'm probably going to stick it up on my blog because I talk, you know, when I put these things out there, when we talk about this stuff, I want people to be able to, to hear it and engage me with it. Uh, but, you know, a couple hundred bucks here. Uh, I've got this little recorder here. We've got ten of these now. These are the, what my students use. It's got microphones on front and back, so you can record both sides of a, a conversation, record stereo or quadraphonic sound. hundred bucks. And this is where money went to buy ten of these things. And my students are using these in the interviews that they go out and talk to local businesses and find out what a business is doing and turn it into a podcast. And I'll show you some examples of that. But very low cost allows us to get very, very quickly engaged in these sorts of processes. And you'll see a couple of those pieces of equipment right here. I've got the mixer sitting up there in the front of the room. Um, Students are digital natives. I don't like the term because they're actually doing what we've always done. We're talking. We're listening. We're typing. We're writing. But they think that they're digital natives, and we'll go with that. That's what the phrase they use. But they live in this Web 2.0 world, right? We're, you know, how often do you Google something? Google's now a verb. You know, it started as a company, and now you know, it's a verb. They're on Facebook. I'm told that students would prefer for us to communicate with them, not in the Penn State email system, but in Facebook. And I have my syllabus that says Penn State's email system is still the official communication media. You will check email. And occasionally, I'll laugh at your pictures on Facebook and think, how, you know, why, aren't, why do you wonder why you're not getting hired? Um, but they're on YouTube. They're broadcasting themselves. Uh, we're on Wikipedia. Like it or not, Wikipedia is out there. So we're going to start bringing, you know, and, and I actually like Wikipedia because experts are actually self-correcting. The communities of practice are actively engaging to make sure it's reflecting the right things. I know we're supposed to look down our noses at, Wiki, at Wikipedia, but we're going to start using it for documenting student research projects. So when a student goes in, they build a wiki, and they can start sharing this information with other students. So it's in the wiki. It's hanging out there. Uh, but the idea is we're going to reach the students where they are today. They're actively engaged in digital media. They're digital natives. They're very comfortable with listening to these sorts of things. Uh, if you look at the numbers coming out of University Park, because that's where they keep doing all the surveys, 85% of the students have iPods. I don't mean MP3 players. <laughs> I mean iPods. I mean, they've got market saturation like crazy up there. They're very much engaged in these types of things. So we have podcasting and education. You'll notice Penn State University is just one of many that you can find at iTunes U. And if you go to iTunes and you go to iTunes U and start looking, you'll see that we have a lot of media available from Penn State to the general public. You don't have to log in as friends of Penn State. You just go to iTunes U. Uh, You can actually get some really cool stuff from all those universities uh, to include things about Einstein and physics and Fun stuff to listen to. My brother, uh, he does his podcast, uh, the Stomtish, and he does this uh, 
uh, interviewing his students up at Schreier Honors College. So the Schreier Honors College, that's publicly available to anybody and everybody to be able to listen to. And if I don't pander to him at least once in every presentation, you know, he's going to cut me out of his will. <clears throat> and he's my younger brother. <laughs> and now I just realize I'm going to have to edit something out. <laughs> and then I won't, and it'll stay in. And, uh, so what am I doing with podcasting education? The first piece is just the simple translation piece. I record what I do, like I'm doing right now. This setup was created simply because I recorded lectures. And I know that Mary's going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but I record the lectures. I record solutions. I have a tablet PC, which I forgot to bring, Mary, and I apologize. I had a tablet PC, so I sit down, and, and she'll talk more about what I do with, with the solution sets. And then with new technologies, like TalkShoe and Skype, we can have digital office hours. And, and I haven't done as much with this as I would like, but the idea is that instead of just having office hours for the two hours you know, two or three days a week that we're supposed to have, and the students may or may not be able to come in. Set up a time where you say, I'm going to be online in Skype, or I'm going to be online in TalkShoe, and I like TalkShoe because it allows you to record the session. So if I have an online office hour session, students can call in either, and actually with, with TalkShoe, they can either call in by logging on and using a microphone, or they can actually, honest to goodness, call in from a cell phone to this number records it online. Anybody can listen to it streaming audio at the same time live. They can then come back and listen to it recorded later. And you have a little blackboarding type of situation as well. So when students ask questions, one of the classic examples has been you're getting ready for a test. Five students come in, each at their own time, asking you the same question. And the idea is to be able to document that answer, work through that answer, and people can go back and review these things and say, you know what, somebody's already asked that question, and I've listened to it. And so it, it enables everybody to have a better use of their time. What's more important for me is this transformational piece, that we're taking, you know, here, I, first of all, we're bringing people, ideas, and content to the classroom. No, afraid not. I want to bring, it's, what's important here is the student. I want to bring people and ideas and content to the student. You know, we have a guest lecturer come in, and you know what? Five people, for whatever reason, weren't able to be there that day. Darn your luck. You know, great speaker. You missed it. Oh, did you take good notes? Well, I wrote a couple things down. No, we recorded it. It's now available for you. Or better yet, I can have speakers that will never come to Penn State Harrisburg because we can't afford the $50,000 speaking fee. But they recorded a podcast where they talked about something really cool in inventory management, and it's sitting out there. Or I record podcasts with individuals. Uh, Tony Pittman, I don't know if you all know the name Tony Pittman. Uh, he played for Penn State in 1994 on the, the last Run for the Roses team. But he's a supply chain guy. And he and I did a podcast. He does a podcast for Penn State football with Phil Collins, not the singer, the quarterback. Um, and so they do that podcast talking about Penn State football. But he and I did one where we talked about supply chain and the services industries, and specifically technology and software services. And I can then bring that content to my students and say, listen to what Tony Pittman had to say about this. Go pull that down. And so I'm bringing a guest speaker in without having to tie up his time or any of those other types of things. So we have guests that come in, uh, all sorts of cool technologies enable us to do that. We have special editions where if somebody does a special interest piece, we can reach out and touch that. And then we have the class projects. And before I turn it over to them, they're going to talk about a little bit about their stuff. I want to just share with you some of these class projects. When we're done, we stick it up here. It's iTunes. This is iTunes U. If you go to iTunes U and you look up Penn State and you go into available courses, you'll see SCM 310 student examples. You can listen to every one of these. You'll get a sense of what my students are doing. They're going to local companies. We have Giant Foods, Appalachian, AFS Energy, 
R.R. Donnelly, Cook Brothers, Wegmans, anybody, you know, Brenner family of dealerships. They go in, and the, the charter is take at least three of the things we've talked about in this class, three major topics, like at least chapter heading major, not in the middle of a textbook, you mentioned one thing about that. Chapter heading stuff, go out and cover three of those things with a local company to learn how that local business does business and how it relates to what's in the classroom. So let me just play, I just love the way they did this production-wise for Appalachian Brewing Company. Well, my, my title is actually Brewmaster and Director of Operations which means I basically oversee the entire three companies. Develop new beers, open More new alcohol. locations. We have a general manager in each location. I oversee them, and I oversee our head brewer. I do a lot of the marketing. But we have a Harrisburg location, which is our main facility, large manufacturing plant, bottling plant. We have a restaurant in Camp Hill that's a small brewery, and in Gettysburg we have one as well that's a small brewery restaurant. That was Mr. Artie Tafoya, owner of Appalachian Brewing Company, describing with us his duties and a little bit about the company. Today we will be taking a closer look at the Appalachian Brewing Company, its uniqueness, and what makes it so successful. Without further ado, here's Mr. Tafoya taking us into our first topic, capacity planning. We'll sell about 5,000 barrels this year, hopefully over that. Uh, we're really looking for a good month here, and we hope to exceed 5,000. Now, how do I grade this sort of thing? <laughs> Always a good question, right? Uh, what I'm looking for them to do is not just the interview. I keep telling them, you need to generate content. You need to tell us, like, an, like a radio broadcast would do. Tell us about it and use those as quotes like you would in a term paper. And so the idea is that they're generating this that I'm hearing that they're learning from this and that they're using the quotes and the meeting local businesses so I know that they're doing this. And what's really cool for me about this is I no longer have to worry about catching plagiarists. You didn't plagiarize. I mean, yeah, you might have used somebody else's words somewhere in that script, but I know you had to spend time, if only reading it out loud, you had to spend time learning this material. You couldn't just cut and paste it and go, I got, you know, here it is, it's somebody else's paper. You had to do this. And, and, and until I hear an Appalachian Brewing Company with the same music and the same interview, and then I'm going to go, okay, you just stole somebody else's work literally, and you did it in my own class, and now you're, you're, you're dead meat. That, that's the intro to the CSM 310 class. Now, this is, uh, I, I believe, Mary's project. Oh, that's right. Do you left? This is for the inventory control class that I teach. All our products are pretty. Somebody in Macaroni Land is, is bought and set all our products for us. We don't have to go out and worry about where we get our meatballs. I don't have to go out where my steaks come from. I don't do any of that. Okay, Macaroni Guru is all done at for We'll just take like an item. This is our main inventory sheet. We'll take like like pasteurized. We use crab meat, we buy it by the case, we use Phillips crab meat. We inventory it by the case, but the most important thing is we have a par right here. We get inventory, we get our main order twice a week. Our par is four. That means every time we do the truck order, we need to have four cases. 
So if I, I love this next I piece. This day, I ordered one, part of four. Next week I had two. And now they're like, yes, let's tie it to the theoretical learnings that we had in the class. Is this RSS? So I'm like, wow. Then you adjust your car back down to one or buy one. So if I always had. Where do we go here? So that's how I'm having them interact and bring the stuff together. And in that particular case with the inventory class, I said, I don't want just podcasts. And I certainly don't want a PowerPoint presentation. I want you to do something fairly innovative. I want you to integrate video with it. Other, other members of that class, they went to the Utz potato plant, and they did video clips of the process of making potato chips, and they talked about warehousing, and they talked about how they manage the demand for something that's seasonal in production, but year-round in consumption. And so they had video presentations that talked about that. We had the, the Stroman's bread plant where they took you know, spy camera pictures because the, you know, I'm not supposed to have cameras in it. See, what's that created in the video? Is that on? That one, I believe, is like a Windows. Just a Windows. It's a Windows Movie Maker? I think it's pretty standard on most computers now. Okay. But it doesn't get used as often. Yeah. Adult notes there, I think. It's certainly not used a lot in business. I don't see it used in right. place. Not yet. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'd like to do is, is you know, kind of move over to the voice of the students. Uh, for a little bit each, and we'll start with with Miles, and then uh, and then we'll go with Mary. And this is the Miles that I know. Uh, I did ask him to not wear the hat today. <laughs> so I, I got to get a picture of you without the hat. So. <laughs> Very nice. So there you go. Hello, everybody. My name is Miles Buttrell. I'm a finance major here at the Penn State Harrisburg. Hopefully, going to graduate in May. If all things go according to plan. I had uh, Stephen Brady for Supply Chain 310, not this fall, but last fall. And one of the things I'd like to talk about here is primarily how this podcasting project is what I got out of it above and beyond, say, a term paper, so to speak. One of the things I really liked about this particular project was because it was new and different. This semester alone, this fall, up to now, I have done seven individual PowerPoint presentations about a dozen and a half uh, individual uh, actual written assignments that I've had to turn in via Word or via actual handwritten documents. And it just becomes mundane and, for lack of a better term, boring. You really don't get into the material quite as uh, much as you would like to, especially when you have three or four documents that are due right around the same time for three or four different classes. However, have a podcast or something that's new, different, and exciting that you can't normally just, you know, puke out on the last day, you have now this means of, oh, wow, this is something new that I've never actually had to do this before. I may have to take more time in order to do this. So you actually have to allocate your time a lot better. Your arguments for the podcast, I learned the hard way, was you had to argue more precise because you not only have keep your audience in mind whenever you're arguing. You also have to keep yourself attuned to uh, how you're going to keep yourself involved in your project. Because there's no worse feeling in the world whenever you're making a podcast where you play back the recording and go, wow, this sounds really, really boring and really bad. And then you have to go back and redo it. You can do that with a term paper, but if you're doing five, six, seven term papers during a semester, it becomes really, really hard to go back through 
20 pages, 10 pages, and actually read each individual structure and realize, oh, wow, this is really bad term paper. You usually just say, okay, it's good enough, we'll turn it in and see what I get. And the last thing is really the lack of filler and useless words. Whenever I do a term paper, I regrettably almost always have to use you know, some kind of a page limit that I have to reach or some page that I want to reach. And nine times out of ten, I will always kind of write what I want, get to the end, and realize that it's not good enough or it's not long enough. So students oftentimes will you know, put in extra material that's not necessarily relevant to the case and not really what they wanted to go on as par. In a podcast, as opposed to that, there is no set time limit. There really is no set you know, uh, X amount of pages that you have to incorporate. So there's less of this feeling of, oh, I need to you know, hit this number of uh, you know, quota of words. I you know, now have a meaning that I want to express. I have the bullet points that I want to hit. And now I can structure it to, for my audience to enjoy. That's my part of the presentation. I'm now going to turn it over to Mary for her. Hello, I'm Mary Hedeman. Thanks for having me here today. Um, I am a marketing major, and I plan, I will graduate on December 20th. <laughs> Very excited. It's coming up close here. Um, I was in Dr. Brady's 310 course, as well as his 445 um, course, just recently, last semester. And uh, I have participated in cross-country while being here. I'm a member of Mu Capital, which is the marketing honors club, and I'm also a member of marketing club. When I first began my studies here, I was working full-time, and I was taking 10 credits, so it was a pretty um, heavy load there for a while, and I was taking 310 at that time. And what I found especially useful were his both his podcasts and his screencasts, because often I was studying late at night, you know, and obviously the professor wouldn't be available if I had questions. And uh, for me, being able to access answers or solutions anytime was extremely useful. And the screencast, um, using the tablet PC, I found incredibly useful because I had his audio with his actual <coughs> written process on like a virtual notepad and virtual paper. And I could watch this as many times as I wanted until I learned, you know, walked away with an understanding of what was happening there. Um, it was familiar to me because it was the same process that he used in class. And it was his voice and his terminology. And I would watch it again before an exam. And it would be something that I could save and actually watch again if I needed to use it later in my career. So I found it very useful. And actually those and slideshows from 310 both helped me kind of refresh my memory for 445 when I took supply chain 445. Catch up on some of those basics, good refresher to get me ready for the next phase. Um, the core creative allowances, Miles kind of spoke to this a bit. I think having a break from the PowerPoint is really beneficial. And actually the presentation leading up to our presentation um, really spoke about innovation. And it isn't something, we don't get to access that creative part of our brain as often as maybe we should sometimes in a business um, field. So I think that's very important. I also think that students, we do a lot of group work and a lot of times the compilation of the PowerPoint seems to fall to the same couple people. And maybe having uh, something like a video or podcast, maybe that would excite a student and put them in a leadership role where typically they might take a back seat. So I think that's also important. 
Um, as far as technology in the business environment goes, uh, when I was working full-time, I was working for Maycom, and they're a, a division of Tyco Electronics. I think they go by the Tyco Electronics Wireless Division now. And they handle uh, the implementation and maintenance of public safety radios for state agencies, local agencies. And it became a standard for the in-field technicians to have camera phones to um, take pictures of things that were done right or wrong. And I see that kind of changing um, some media in the business environment. And uh, currently, I work now for, I switched to go to school full-time and work part-time because I really enjoyed it and I wanted to get done. So I was able to do that, and luckily I have an employer that was flexible enough to do that. So I'm still in the telecommunications area. We do public safety consulting for agencies. And we do offer a video service for creating training videos for 911 centers, for new employees, um, as well as public service announcements. And so for me, just a general idea of what goes into video editing um, may help me to assess a project or oversee a project or provide input. And so for me, that's very important. Um, I just made a connection actually earlier. I finished a presentation yesterday on SAP AG. I think we're all familiar with SAP um, really large enterprise resource planning software provider. And there was something really interesting that came about um, in kind of trying to get past some of the stereotypes they had about only being for large companies or the product doesn't work well. They had to really change their strategy. And they found it was really difficult to get the lower level employees on the same page. Um, they looked at how their employees were using their computers and they found that over 500,000 blogs were written on a site called Technorati, and all these photos in Flickr, which is like a, um, I guess it's a personal photo website, and you can share photos and view photos. Finding a lot of photo tags, like people would say, "This is my, me and my friend here," and whatever. And so they found all these social networking things going on at work, and they said, "How can we maybe use our, you know, get our strategy message across using a social network that would be real time and flexible, and people can add their own opinion." And they actually created their own secure wiki, which is something we talked about doing for classroom, so that everyone could be involved and see the strategy and communicate with um, people on a global level. So I found that um, showing how the business environment may be changing due to some of these technologies. And I think that Penn State has always been forward-looking, and I, I want to continue that. And personally, I've really enjoyed my experience um, here, especially in Dr. Brady's courses being able to use some of this new media. And I've actually had um, Professor Kachanov as well, and I enjoyed that course too. So thank you for your time. Do you all have any questions for the two of them? Or either of them? <laughs> if I can just share one last slide with you. Uh, when I look at technology and how I'm using it in the classroom, I really have three questions. First off, and I don't have to answer all three of these in the affirmative. I just have to be sure we've answered one of them in the affirmative. Uh, first off, am I improving the content? Does the content actually get better because of what we're doing? And guest lectures that never have to come here because they podcast improves the educational content. Does it free me up? Now, not just to go fishing, although that would be kind of cool, uh, but am I able now to focus more on the content rather than the process? Can I go and do something else because they have the answers to the homework questions and now I can focus on giving them more answers to more things or develop uh, better answers or more research or what have you? And finally, 
does it actually help them get this information in a better, faster, or perhaps even cheaper way? Uh, the idea of these hybrid online things that, that Steve was talking about earlier, these are the types of ways where we're able to meet them where they are, bring them the information in ways that they can use it and grasp it. And just to tag on real quick to your SAP story, Jane was just telling me yesterday about Lockheed. Lockheed Martin's doing... Right. We had a gentleman from Lockheed Martin yesterday do a, give a talk to some of our technology students. In his presentation, he shared with us the fact that uh, they're developing a product within Lockheed Martin called Unity, which encompasses all of these components. It has a wiki component. It has a blog component. Um, it has project management capabilities. Um, it has video capabilities that they can embed internal videos and iPods and uh, YouTube type of things. Um, and so they're rolling this out at Lockheed Martin. Uh, they currently have about 54,000 employees in one of their divisions using this product, uh, but their plan is to roll it out to the entire Lockheed Martin family um, for non-defense related security things, like things that are, would not be a compromised national security. But they were talking about rolling it out to 150, 180,000 people over the next few years. So, yeah. so I mean, all these things, are, it's not just stuff that you know, Brady's making up in the classroom or, or playing around and thinking is just kind of cool. Uh, okay, don't, don't worry about the top stuff. That's all my personal stuff. But at the bottom, if you need to get a hold of me, SPV7 is the email here. Uh, and then I've got this amazing Grand Central phone number. So you call it, it rings everywhere uh, if you ever want to get a hold of me or go through Steve. And uh, we're back to you. Oh, yeah. In my own personal use of some of the new media, I found it's a huge time drain. Are you finding students get sucked into some of like the chat sessions or Facebook or any of those other things, and they just are spending so much time communicating with others, they're not doing as much educational or maybe their study <coughs> time is, is changing because they're more into the social aspects of the new medias? I'm, I'm I mean, probably, I myself off. <laughs> I'm probably an exception because I have yet to give in to Facebook, although <laughs> I'm under increasing pressure to do so. But I know a lot of students, especially when they first join Facebook, say, can't get off of it. I check it all the time. I love it. And I certainly walk through the library and see it up. But um, I don't I don't know that. Have you, do you have, are you involved in social media? Um, I have a MySpace. I don't have a Facebook. <laughs> I coincidentally have a Facebook and not a MySpace. So. <laughs> Some universities require that new incoming students develop a Facebook profile and Cornell University has. <coughs> A friend of mine and colleague, actually, at uh, Georgia Southern, a, fr a friend of mine in, at, at Georgia Southern, uh, he, because of Facebook, and I don't know if you all heard all the stories, the pictures that are on Facebook and the people say and so forth, you know, he, his big push is you're business students and you're going to get in business and you need to worry about your personal reputation. And so what he does, he tells them ahead of time, when we introduce each other in the first day of class, I will call up your Facebook profile. And if there's something you don't want your classmates to see, imagine what you don't want the recruiter to see. And so you know, he's using Facebook in a sense in that tool. I mean, yeah, it's, it's easy to get sucked into the social networking piece, but I think it's easy for us to just stand it with a cup of coffee all day long, too, at work and chat and not get any work done. So uh, it's really a self-discipline issue. Yeah, I had a question uh, for you guys. You know, you brought up a good point um, 
about you know being PowerPoint in the deck. And I think most of us here in the business community probably end up doing one, two, maybe three presentations a week on something. And I know I am so tired of, of that format, but but there's no. What's the next big presentation software format that you know is going to explode onto from a universal usability? You know, that's the only thing PowerPoint has going for it. Everybody has it now. Sort of most people know how to hack together a presentation, but it's it's kind of crap, you know, when you really look at its capabilities. Just to be blunt. Sure. <laughs> uh, that last video that we had on the macaroni grill. Yeah. I think, uh, from my standpoint, would be something that I would be actively interested in, not only creating, but also watching in a classroom. If a group of students, instead of walking up to the front of the classroom, you know, clicking through a PowerPoint presentation, had instead made a, you know, interactive video where you, you know, sit back and watch as the screen, you know, projects and goes from point A to point B to point C, and the, you know, narrative is already there. You, you know, don't have to fumble through cue cards, you don't have to, you know, worry about, you know, freezing up in front of the classroom. It's already done. It's already up there. The uh, material, I think, in that particular sense, <coughs> is in video uh, projecting. Is the answer. I, I, I feel like, right at this point, PowerPoint is still you know, the best avenue. Um, is it just because there's nothing else available? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know. Because of Hopefully. Microsoft. Right. Well, and, and let, let me suggest... Let me suggest this, though. It, it's what are you trying to convey? Oh, geez, We're, yeah, I've used up all Pat's time too. But um, it, it, the message, what you're trying to convey, there may be other tools available to you. Jing Project from Tech, uh, TechSmith, they have some really cool tools for showing you how to do stuff. And so there's there's other tools out there. Ask your question to, first. What is it you're trying to say? And then how do you want to then then find a tool that that helps you say it better, and and maybe even a distributed way. I, <laughs> I know if we follow Brady, there wouldn't be much time. <laughs> um, I was told the other day a bunch of, a handful of smart people. I'm not sure if that's what your handful is, but I assume it was under 10. Sound like prepared for everything. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Professor Notes. Please leave your comments, your thoughts, your ideas on how we can integrate technology into education over at the comments section at theprofessornotes.com. Or feel free to email me at prof at theprofessornotes.com. I look forward to hearing from you.